Hey, another Big Sky Breakdown. We're rolling through these this week. Happy to be back in the saddle, providing you with the best in Big Sky Conference coverage from across the Treasure State and across the entire Big Sky. I'm Coulter Nuanas. As always, you can find this podcast, SkylineSportsMT.com. Thanks so much to Blackfoot Communications for all their support of our podcasting dreams and endeavors. They're making it happen for us. Big Sky Breakdown, catching up with the cats, previewing and recapping all sorts of games, analysis, press conference audio, Grizz Greats, the 2001 National Championship 20th Anniversary podcast. We'll have all that and more this fall in association with Blackfoot Communications. They also sponsor my Nuanas Now podcast for my daily radio show 1029 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television. You can also find all that stuff at 1029ESPN.com as well. Rate, review, subscribe all our podcasts. Five stars preferred. We couldn't do it without Blackfoot Communications. This Big Sky Breakdown, specifically focusing on Montana State. Bobcats head on over to Wyoming, Laramie, War Memorial Stadium Saturday afternoon. Intriguing storylines across the board because Brent Deegan, the new Montana State head coach, spent the last seven seasons at Wyoming and spent the last 18 seasons on Craig Bull's staff between North Dakota State and Wyoming. In this podcast, we'll hear from Brooks Nuanez breaking down the Bobcat roster. First, the offense. Still a little bit of a break because we have to get around to recording the second half of this when I get to Bozeman this afternoon. Then we'll hear from Brent Vegan, Montana State head coach, some of the questions I asked him during the weekly press conference. Then we'll hear from Kevin McKinney, senior associate athletic director and longtime color commentator for Wyoming football and men's basketball. He was also the sports information director for a long time. He joined me on my ESPN roundtable uh, earlier this week on Nuanez Now. Then we'll hear from Matt McKay, junior quarterback for the uh, Bobcats, as well as Isaiah Fonse, junior running back. And then we'll circle back around and hear from Brooks Nuanez again on the Bobcats. Cat Defense. The Big Sky Breakdown presented proudly by Blackfoot Communications. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. We're back in the saddle two days in a row. Big Sky Breakdown. SkylineSportsMT.com, probably presented by Blackfoot Communications. Thanks so much to Blackfoot for all their belief in all of our podcasting dreams. I uh, recorded another good one today, launching a new podcast series, Catching Up with the Cats. Mike Person, our first guest on Casting Up with the Cats, and I can't wait for you guys to hear the interview because an outstanding one, uh, a, a wandering path from small-town Glendive, Montana, all the way to the Super Bowl and uh, everything in between. But he has great stories about high school, Mike Kramer, Rob Ash, college. Uh, he brought the heat for sure. He definitely gave me some of the best content I've ever gotten from Mike, and I've interviewed him a bunch of times. So happy to debut that. But this podcast is focusing on those Bobcats. Montana State, they opened their season 2021 haven't played since 2019 it's the first game of the brent vegan era in laramie wyoming 2 p.m i will be there live and in person on saturday at war memorial stadium and uh, we're excited to give you all the best in big sky conference coverage and montana state coverage as a 2021 season progresses a little tease for a little bit uh, later on we will be uh, returning for our pre and post game tailgate show right in front of town of country foods and uh, in, in a partnership with the eagle as well as now case guy country as well so a couple great 
commodities there for the Balding family as well as uh, Silver Star Communications. And so I'll be broadcasting live from uh, before each and every Bobcat home game as well. So uh, be sure to check it in at K-Sky Country. They also have their Blue and Gold Thursdays. And I'll be providing some analysis and some sound from Brent Vegan as well. Later on in this podcast, we'll hear from uh, Coach Vegan, his, some of his thoughts uh, leading up to this game. And uh, also maybe share some sound from a couple uh, MSU players. And I'll also share a good interview from the other side of this deal, Kevin McKinney, the uh, Senior Associate Athletic Director at Wyoming, longtime Sports Information Director, as well as uh, color commentator for the Wyoming football team and men's basketball team as well. Uh, he joined me earlier this week on Nuanas Now, so I'll share that interview here on the Big Sky Breakdown as well. Brooks Nuanas, Big Sky Breakdown uh, from SkylineSportsMT.com uh, joining us. And, and Brooks, we talk about this and think about it and analyze it. I know you and I have probably seen less Montana State stuff this last month or so than we usually do this time of year, only because the practices were closed, the players weren't available, so we didn't get a real chance to watch much of the action, kind of to be expected with a new head coach in the fold. Uh, but what do you think at this exact moment, just broadly about Montana State football? Like, What comes to your mind right now when you think about the Bobcats opening up their season at long last and uh, just all the various storylines that encompass MSU right now? Well, Coulter, I think overall that the the concept of how much change has happened in the last year and a half or two years is overwhelming. The idea of what will be new, what will be the same, how much familiarity will there be on offense and defense as far as the schematics go and as far as uh, you know, fan awareness of the roster construction as well as what the product on the field looks like. But overall, what I think of Montana State, I think that there's going to be a lot of consistency. And I think they're going to run the ball. You know, I think they're going to pound the football like they have a better part of the last five or six years. And some of that will stay the same, which in a lot of ways I think will be surprising to some people, especially with North Carolina State transfer Matt McKay under center. Uh, big change there. But overall, schematically, I think that offensively they'll look a lot the same. So with overwhelming change at Montana State, a lot of unknowns, I think that this first year under Brett Vegan will actually look a lot the same as it has so in that case, I think a lot of consistency uh, and player crossover as well as some concept crossover is going to be the case for Montana State. So fascinating because I talked to Kevin McKinney, like I talked to earlier here, about um, what he was expecting from Wyoming. And he said, hey, they're a, a tough, physical, hard-nosed team that's going to hit you in the face. That You better bring the energy. They're not going to lay down, and you better be ready for a physical game. That sounds exactly like Montana State as well. So uh, Vegas got this over, the over-under on this game at 34, which is a hilarious over-under for a college football game. That's basically predicting, like a, uh, what, I guess a 20-14 to 14 win for Wyoming. Uh, so amazing that that's what the over-under uh, is. But sort of indicative of what the style of this game might be. I think it will be, you know, this will be indicative of Montana State's season as well. You know, I mean, you get off on the right foot here and you put up a good showing, even, you know, come out with a close loss or, or a close win, either side of, of that coin is a positive moving forward for Montana State. What you don't want to happen is, is to let things get away from you, especially early on. You don't want to leave this game with a 42-7 to score. Uh, you want to make sure and, and establish that mentality of toughness on both sides of the ball early on in the season, especially going into these first four or five games, which for Montana State, after Wyoming, you look at a pretty positive schedule for the Bobcats, a, a schedule that could re- result in a 5-1 and one or 4-2 and two record going into the heart of their season. So you, you think for Montana State you'd want to establish that early and often against Wyoming. 
Let's break down. Uh, we will have a bad cats by the number podcast, like we've been teasing uh, later on, but we just don't have uh, the time to get it in this week. I do want to get this coverage out before we get to uh, the Wyoming game. Uh, so we will have a Bobcats by the numbers next week. Uh, but here, Big Sky Breakdown, let's just talk about position group by position group for the Cats and just sort of uh, uh, optimistic, pessimistic compared to where we were uh, at any other time leading up to these this year. It's been a long time to think about this and analyze it and all that stuff. But uh, we'll start with the offensive front. They do have... Um, a couple outstanding returners in Lewis Kidd, Taylor Tuliasasopo, Zach Red. One of the biggest pieces of news for the week is Justice Perkins, a redshirt freshman, former walk-on out of Bozeman High School, will make his first start. Cole Sain's been banged up, but he will be available for this game, uh, but he's not going to be the starter. And then TJ Session, a guy uh, who is a highly regarded recruit, uh, he will also start at right tackle. So, uh, Brooks, I know... The thought, the narrative about the Bobcat offensive line was that this is going to be one of the best units in the league. The loss of Connor Wood, the uncertainty of Cole Sane, neither one of those help, but where are we at with the Bobcat offensive front? Well, as you mentioned, I think there's a little bit more uncertainty than I would have predicted at this point of the season. Cole Sane comes in and plugs in as an experienced player at the Division One as well as junior college level. A guy that you expect to really contribute to this offensive line as well as probably push it forward. I like the just the idea of Justice Perkins on a roster. But as a redshirt freshman, a guy who is only at six feet tall, maybe a, maybe that's a little bit generous. Uh, a guy that starting his first Division One game against Wyoming is a tough spot for a young player. You hope to see his development early, just to get in confidence as far as what does the season look for like for a guy that likely has to be the sixth or seventh man. We talk about that a lot. There's five offensive starters, and you need two different pieces for depth at the very least. You like to have three that can plug and play. Montana State, we looked like they would probably have seven, and right now it looks more like a six-man um, rotation with Cole Sane hopefully being available for Wyoming, let alone just down the line. So I would say that this the unit that was the strength of this team, not that it has overwhelming uncertainty, but there has been some puzzle pieces that have changed. You think that the running game will be still strong, especially with the stable of backs I mentioned, a three- or four-headed monster with several different pieces that could end up being five or six, especially with a quarterback as Matt McKay is who can run the football as well. So you think if you have that many pieces, offensive line can have a little bit of lack of continuity and still be able to produce in the running game. Uh, so that's what I think of as far as Montana State's offensive line is can they get past Wyoming and get through Wyoming um, healthy, healthy and get onto a – like opponent FCS schedule to where I think that they could be quite dominant. Jeff Choate, yeah, I said this uh, to me uh, on and off the record about Justice Perkins. He said, hey, he doesn't look like much when he walks through the door, but he keeps knocking people on their ass. And so uh, I do think he is a, a tough guy. I think he's an aggressive guy. And uh, as we've seen over and over and over and over and over again, the guys that it means the most to almost always have a, at least a chance to succeed if they have any physical capabilities. And Justice Perkins, I know it means the world to him. A kid from Bozeman High School who grew up in Bozeman, the son of a former Bobcat and Josh Perkins, who, by the way, Montana State does such a great job with their videos and their multimedia and all that stuff. I know Garrett Becker and his team, I mean, they're among the best in the country, man. Montana State's so lucky to have those guys because they do killer content. I'm always watching it on Twitter and online. But the the show they came up with a couple years ago, spearheaded by one of our good buddies and uh, former Bobcat himself, Matt Brownlow, uh, the tiny trucks, big cats and tiny trucks. It's fun, man. It's a fun series. But they got Brownlow's now uh, working all over the state, so he's not in Bozeman anymore. So they got Josh Perkins hosting it. And what a good addition, man. Perk is a great addition to the, the 
Bozeman community. I've only talked to him a couple times, but I've heard so many things about just how valuable he is. And it is, it's essential, man. Like when you have minority kids living in a, a not very diverse community like Bozeman, it's essential to have elders there that are not just, uh, you know, that, that aren't just part of the football program. Guys in the community that can help uh, some of the African-American kids on Montana State navigate the water. So uh, awesome to have a liaison like Josh Perkins, Justin per- Justice Perkins's father there uh, in Bozeman. And go check out that the little YouTube series because it's fun. They're just three-minute videos, but they get uh, a lot of good content. Uh, moving on from some more position groups uh, for MSU, let's talk about the wide receivers. They have some guys that have some quote-unquote experience in terms of playing in games. Not a ton of balls coming their way because Montana State, when they threw it, pretty much threw it to Travis Johnson and Kevin Cassis back in 2019. Uh, but Lance McCutcheon's a senior. Coy Steele's a, a program guy who's definitely fought his way in and, and was actually really productive during 2019. Uh, Willie Patterson's always seemed to be the, the talk of the offseason, but has never really been able to stay healthy. And then you got some of the up-and-comers like Jalen Smith and Charles Brown. Uh, one note, Nate Stewart, the grad transfer from Akron, he is out indefinitely. Uh, he suffered some sort of injury that's going to keep him out at least a couple months, Brent Began mentioned at his press conference. So that is a loss because he was expected to be a veteran guy, a transfer from Akron, who uh, was very productive in the MAC. So that hurts him. But uh, where are we at with the Bobcat receivers? I think Nate Stewart's a pretty big loss, man. I mentioned on a podcast earlier this year that when you go watch that position group, there's a couple guys that pop, but he might be number one. Um, but after that, it's Jaden Smith. You know, Jaden Smith is a really impressive young talent, one of the more uh, pro-looking receivers I've seen at Montana, Montana State in the last four or five years. Um, he kind of has the Sammy Kem body over at Montana. All of 6'6", chiseled, physical, can go up and high point the football. Um, I think he's a really talented player. But then he mentioned the Coy Steele and Willie Patterson's of the world. Guys, that in this offense, when you are running and pounding the football, I think you do want to get some short crossing routes, some short intermediate routes. I think that that is where Coy Steele and Willie Patterson thrive. I think that that is where the last couple of years, the Bobcats, the balls that they were completing were shot plays. Travis Johnson especially, but even Kevin Castle, so you think of more of a possession-style receiver, maybe a guy that's going to have a high volume of targets, was catching more balls downfield. So I think that for the Bobcats to have success, I know we'll probably jump at a tight end, but you look at some of those intermediate to crossing routes that will have be successful to kind of loosen up the coverage a little bit and make that box a little lighter for the powerful running game they do have. One note um, – Andrew Patterson, a true freshman, is making the trip to Wyoming, and Brent Began mentioned that he will likely not redshirt moving forward depending on injury. There is that four-game buffer, which is a new rule, I believe, in the last – I think it's been two full seasons of having that rule. And you you can correct me if I'm wrong there, Coulter. But that that now going into into a season where you do have true freshmen playing early – there is that buffer where if they get an injury or you decide to redshirt them, that you can still do that with up to four full games played. So Andrew Patterson, a guy – only 5'10", 170 pounds. We'll see if he can contribute, especially being on a two-deep roster. Uh, and then you also got to think of guys like the Bozeman native Lance McCutcheon, who has always been a downfield threat, a guy who's caught some long touchdowns in his career, will likely add depth into that mix. Uh, but overall, Montana State receivers continue to have talent. You know, you look at the group during practice, you watch them go through drills, individual drills, as well as team things. They look like a talented group, but have not been able to produce at a very high level uh, not a lot of games won on the backs or the shoulders of that group I do like what Justin Udy former offensive coordinator for Montana State has moved over to wide receivers coach I like what Justin Udy has brought to that t- to that group very high energy he has accepted that role uh, at a very high level uh, great drills 
a former quarterback. He can wing that ball in there himself to, you know, kind of run those wide receiver drills. I like what that group has brought. And a little bit of senior leadership, and you see a guy like Jaden Smith take a little bit of a leadership role as well. The future's bright, depends if the quarterback can get them the football, especially schematically what that looks like yet to be seen from Montana State. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. Let's talk tight ends. They got one of every shape and size. They got six foot four, two hundred sixty-five pound Ryan Davis out of Billings. They got five foot nine, two hundred forty pound RJ Fitzgerald out of Dillon. They got six foot two, two hundred thirty pound Derek Snell out of uh, Alaska. And then they got Trayton Pickering, who's the best looking one out of all of them. Uh, and then they got Ryan Lonergan, who might be the most athletic and the most modern quote unquote style tight end they got in the program as well. Montana State forever was just a factory when it came to tight ends, whether it was uh, Brandon Boston or Blake Wolf or uh, Joe Schreibice or Stephen Foster, Kyle Beggar, Tia Salanoa, uh, Bo Sandler. I mean, every single one of those guys I just named we came one after the other. Every single one of them was an all-conference tight end. And uh, we haven't seen a tight end do much of anything in a long time at Montana State. So do you think, think the offensive scheme change has a chance to at least get some of these guys involved in the offense? Gosh, Colter, I don't know how it can't, man. I mean, it's going to kill me if it doesn't. It just seems at some point how vital is the tight end role. I mean, in football, anyone who's played at any kind of high level, that can even just be a varsity football in Montana at any class knows that the tight ends are some of the best athletes on the team, some of the most well-rounded individuals. They're big guys, but they're skill guys. They're fat guys, but they're athletic guys. They have the entire gamut covered. They're basketball players because they're often tall. But they put their hand in the dirt and they can pretty much block like offensive line. What more would you want from a group of athletes than to have guys get rewarded with the ball coming their way? Being able to, to produce for a team, especially in the red zone, which as you've mentioned with some of those all-conference players, have been so successful. I think that the scheme would have to, at some point, not under a Jeff Choate um, hierarchy, at some point have to lean on the tight end more. You mentioned some of those players like Derek Schnell, who is a dynamic athlete. You know, I watched Derek Snow. I played golf behind Derek Snow and Trenton Pickering for 18-hole round this year and watched them both swing a club very fluidly, very athletic, both big guys who can put their hand in the dirt but can also catch the football. Ryan Lonergan was a star as a freshman during practice. He was one of those guys that popped. You could see how bright his future was. And then Ryan Davis is going to be a classic H-back, a guy that puts his nose, puts hat on a hat and gets the job done, especially in the run game. I think it's one of their strongest groups leadership-wise. Talent-wise and future talent-wise, uh, they have players across the gamut. You'd hope the scheme starts to impl- starts to include them again. Loosen up the box for the running game; it only makes sense. Big Sky Breakdown presented by Blackfoot Communications. Thanks to Blackfoot for all their support in all our podcast endeavors, whether it's the Big Sky Breakdown or Catching Up with the Cats or the Nuanas Now podcast or Grizz Greats, all of the above. Blackfoot's been tremendous in helping us keep our podcast network rolling along and telecommunication needs. Blackfoot Communications is your go-to experts. Let's talk a little bit about the running backs. Isaiah Fonse is the headliner. I think Brett Vegan made an interesting comment to me, though. He said, to have a feature back, can't have a feature back. You have to have a feature 
feature back that's got backups. Because if you just have a feature back, your feature back is what Isaiah Fonsa is, which is 125 yards and a couple touchdowns and a bag of chips, but then uh, two or three weeks on the IR. So uh, they got to keep this guy fresh, but it looks like they got a bunch of dudes behind him to keep him fresh. How deep can Montana State go at running back? I can go deep, man. You know, I, I think that they are dynamic across the board in that group. I love the young guys like Marius Hosey and Jahari Martin, both guys that might not see a ton of touches this year just due to the depth that we mentioned. I also like guys like Lane Sumner, who a lot of Montana State fans have seen. You know, Lane Sumner's a guy that is quicker than you think. He's bigger than you think. He's more powerful than you think. Uh, it's, the, it's the kind of player that not only provides depth, to a team, but can also be a feature back when called upon. The kind of guy that continues to develop. Uh, a a program-style player that, if you needed to, could also probably catch punts and do all sorts of different things. But then you have kind of the, the shiny star that's behind uh, Isaiah Fonse, and that's Elijah Elliott. He is a true all-purpose back. He is the kind of guy that when you first saw him as a freshman, you wondered, is this just going to be a change of pace scat back, add a little bit of weight? Really dynamic with his footwork. The guy can move side to side, back and forth, uh, I believe he could catch the ball in the backfield. He's less of a bruiser than Ifonse is, but I love what Elijah Elliott brings to the table. I think he's going to get a lot of work this year. I could see him kind of teetering within that 100, 100 carry mark. Uh, you know, you look at a guy like Infonse, who's like you mentioned, a true workhorse, you know, 20 carry a game kind of guy. I could see Elliott being, you know, almost half that. He's going to get eight to 10 carries a game, maybe not as much goal line work as Infonse, maybe not as much uh, true on fire pace work like Infante gets. If Infante has got the hot hand, he's going to get the ball every single, every single play, rightfully so. You and I both agree, not only just the bias that we get to watch him practice and watch him play, but that Isaiah Infante is the best running back in the Big Sky Conference. With a, in, within a conference that has quite a few good ones, Weber State's Josh Davis returns. Several different players around the conference return, but we still think that Isaiah Infante is the best one. So when you talk about depth, you talk about if you had the best one and you got a call behind them, you're not talking about serious depth. Yeah, and Alfonso is going to be a guy that benefited so much from this time off, too, because he was just sort of constantly banged up, never really actually hurt, but just sort of always healing something that takes a week or two that was nagging, and he would always come back early because he's tough, uh, but then he'd get you know, hit again, and I mean, he's, he's not shying away from it. He's looking to hunt you down and run your ass over, so it, 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 I do. I think he's the best in the league as well. And Alonzo Gilliam, Josh da- Alonzo Gilliam, you see Davis, Josh da- uh, Davis at... Uh, uh, Weber State, uh, Marcus Knight when he's healthy at Montana. Those guys are all uh, among the premier backs uh, in in the country, honestly, at, at this level of football. So um, that's high praise for Afonso to be sure. Uh, last position on the offense then, the one that's been either feast or famine for Montana State for years and years and years. It's been either Travis Lule, Denarius McGee, or Dakota Prukap, three of the best in the history of the league, or it's been everybody else who have been no good and uh you know a lot of programs don't build themselves to win with quarterbacks montana state's tried to gravitate away from that strategy but the fact of the matter is when montana state has had one of if not the best quarterback in the league the bobcats are the big sky champions that's absolutely matter of fact travis lule shared several sky titles Tadarius mcgee won three dakota prukop was in the mix for a couple before it kind of all fell apart on him and everybody else not so much. And so I know that it's been something that under Jeff Choate, they didn't put a priority on. They wanted to win at an incredibly high level without the quarterback being a huge factor. They did win at a high level, to be sure, especially the last two years. But 
People around Bozeman are thirsty and hungry for good quarterback play. Matt McKay looks the part all day long. He comes with great prestige, uh, great pedigree. Uh, He is tall and athletic looking and uh, he's got a big arm and he's a looks like he's a great leader he's charismatic he's cool all of the above but he's got to prove it so I think this is a huge debut a huge showing for Matt McKay as he makes his first start as a Bobcat Saturday in Laramie it's huge man I mean he looks the part but you know he I've mentioned before I think he has a pretty good throwing motion but it's not it's not elite I think he's got pretty good body but it's not elite I think he's got really good athleticism, and it might be elite, but as of yet, I have not seen that elite athleticism. So does Matt McKay have all of those pieces? Well, as you mentioned, it's going to happen. It's gonna, we're going to know quick. You know, against a, a very talented Wyoming team, we'll be able to see kind of the, the level that Matt McKay rises to. Colton, you mentioned that people are starving for good quarterback play. You know, it's like, it's like watching a band that doesn't sing. You know, it's an instrumental Five piece is sure enjoyable to listen to, but I think we all pay a little bit more money to, to, to watch the true vocal star. And that is what Montana State has been missing is that true next level leadership. We talk about quite a bit. Can you win the Big Sky title without good quarterback play? I think you probably can. But can you win a national title without good quarterback play? I don't, I don't think you can. And that's where Montana State is striving. That's where they have been striving you know, for the better part of the last two decades. We talk all the time is, is it's not okay to go 500 in, in, in conference play for Montana or Montana State. The goal is to win the Big Sky title, but the goal ultimately is to win a national championship. You don't get to be a number one seed in the entire – the number one team in the entire country during Denarius McGee's tenure just to go lose in the quarterfinals. That's not really what these schools' expectations are or should be. So the, the expectations for someone like Matt McKay taking over from the entrenched starter Tucker Robig, who was named a captain – Really interesting to see uh, a backup quarterback go out for coin toss every week. We'll see how long that plays out and what that dynamic looks like. The expectations for Matt McKay are high. Um, We'll have to see scheme-wise. As you mentioned, most practices, all scrimmages have been closed. They open up about the first 30 minutes. So I have seen Matt McKay throw, you know, five, six times, um, not really in live situations. We'll see early and often, especially these first three weeks, what Matt McKay brings to the table, schematically how it fits his skill set and – and how far that we believe that ceiling looks like. I believe Matt McKay's floor is relatively high. I don't know exactly where his ceiling rides right now, but overall, if the Bobcats want to go to a national championship, it'll a lot will play onto Matt McKay's shoulders. Big Sky Breakdown, proudly presented by Blackville Communications. Brooks Nuana is joining us here on the Big Sky Breakdown. Transition to the Bobcat defense right after this. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to Blackfoot Business. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. For unquestionably committed coverage of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics from a homegrown local source, you can count on Skyline Sports. The grassroots news-gathering organization is owned and operated by Coulter and Brooks Nuanas, a pair of Missoula natives and University of Montana graduates. For the best sports journalism in the state, you can choose to buy local when you choose to buy Skyline Sports. For $8 a month or $90 a year, you can get the best coverage available at SkylineSportsMT.com. Skyline Sports, every day, every season. 
strangeness about coaching against Coach Bull, but he's been a head coach for a really long time and had a lot of success as a head coach. What sort of things have you taken from him or learned from him as now you embark on your first season as a head coach? Well, I, you know, I guess certainly relative to this this matchup, making it about the guys, you know, not getting caught up. I think you know, he's done a great job of, of that over the years, um, you know, making it about just that, getting our players ready to go and, and um, certainly not becoming the, the focal point of, of much of anything. So I know I learned that. I, I know, um, you know, a prepared team um, – is the best one that has a chance to win, uh, best one that has a chance to be in a game in the fourth quarter. And I think, you know, um, get your team to believe. And, and, and I think those things, no matter what team that we had the past 18 seasons that I worked um, with him, I think every Saturday we showed up with a team that believed. And that's that's our charge this week is to get the Bobcats to believe we can go down there and um, not only be in the game but win the game. So, um that's I threw a bunch of things at you there, Coulter, but I, that's my best answer. You mentioned Valade, the running back, and he's been very, very productive, especially these last couple of years. But what about his talents that make him such a good player? Well, I, I think the biggest thing I would point to, he has continued to get better and better. You know, he was a guy that in 18 flashed a little bit, but was, was still undersized. I would say speed-wise was just okay, but he's gotten um, – considerably better each year and he's gotten I know right now from a size perspective um it looks he looks to be different than he was even last fall um you know so he's become a more complete back in every which way his ability to catch the football um has always made him a threat out of the backfield so you know uh just a kid that's you know now that's a man that is 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 never been satisfied with even a shred of success he's always pushing the limits and tough as nails and um you know, he was a guy that I know the last couple of years in particular you could count on every Saturday showing up and, you know, giving you everything you had. When you look at Wyoming's defense, I know that it's sort of a similar scheme to what you guys are now running at Montana State. So uh, is, does that help you when you're preparing for, for it since you guys have sort of been going against yourselves here the last month or so? You know, I think the familiarity with, with the four-down look um, and a lot of the same alignments helps us, you know, and, and – but we know they're going to be sound and they're, they're going to keep the ball in front of them. Uh, they're not going to make too many mistakes. Um, so it comes down to really executing and playing hard. And that, that sounds simple, but that's, it's really hard. I, I think teams like, you know, like this, that we maybe feel like we know some things about are in some ways you feel like they're maybe easy to prepare for, but really hard to, to beat the, the teams that are all over the place schematically and, and, um, are sometimes hard to prepare for, but then easy to win or easy to beat. So I think, you know, Wyoming would fall in that category. I, you know, maybe there's some sense of familiarity that might seem easy, but I've uh, been preaching to the guys that, uh, you know, it's going to be hard for them to, to be in the wrong place. Um, so we have to, you know, we have to outplay them. We have to out-execute. Um, that's that's going to really be what it comes down to. Seems like when Sean Chambers, the quarterback, is healthy, that gives Wyoming a pretty darn good shot to, to win. So I know you had a hand in, in helping recruit and develop him, at least early in his career. So uh, what sort of things do you think he brings to the table and, and what makes him uh, a dangerous weapon for Wyoming's offense? Well, he's a tremendous runner, and I think um, that's where it kind of started. He's a very athletic. He's a tremendous leader, was able to be a leader um, unlike any true freshman, I guess, I've ever been around. And he he's a developing passer, um, 
know, I, I think the, the gains that he had made between 19 and 20 were significant. It just so happened that he threw one pass in 20. Um, you know, so I, I'm certain that he's picked up where he left off as far as his preparation, you know, relative to 2020 and, and you know, becoming more and more uh, complete where it doesn't have to be all about his ability to run the football. So, um, you know, Sean is a tremendous talent, tremendous leader, um, you know, and it has a fair amount of experience, even though each one of these last three seasons have been cut short. Chad Mumma's the guy that stands out defensively, um, but it seems like where he's from in Colorado there, it seems like there's a lot of good linebackers in that area. So I guess two-part question, what do you think makes Mumma really good for Wyoming, but also why do you think it is that sort of regionally it seems like Wyoming can get guys like that quite often because it seems like there's a lot of good ones, especially at that position, uh, just in the general area? Well, Chad Chad can really run. I think that's the thing that that to me separates him. Chad's dad played for the for the Pokes, um, and he's from Wyoming. They, they Chad grew up in Denver, um, you know. So he had uh, the cowboy blood in him uh, from a young age, but was a guy I think that needed to be developed still, you know. So I, I think uh, going back to recruiting, you know, he was a little bit uh, on the light side, but I, I think both his um, his knowledge of of the R program and and his, his, you know, developmental potential, I think, was the attractive nature. And I, I think that's probably, you know, you referenced the area. Um, you know, Logan Wilson, not too much different out of, out of Casper, who was a developing guy. He played receiver and corner, and, and you know, Logan preceded um, Chad at that, that Mike position. So, you know, I think there's just, you know, uh, I think that's part of uh, the success of Wyoming. Um and the success of Coach Bowl as a, as a head coach, just being able to identify guys that have the, the capacity and the desire to develop into something that, um, you know, can become this guy like Chad, who is a bona fide pro prospect here going into 21, and it's, it's well-deserved. Chad's a great, um, great person beyond his ability on the football field, and, and you know, I'm sure his leadership um, role has continued to grow. So, you know, he's a, he's definitely a guy that's, that's high on that list that we'll have to keep tabs on for sure. War Memorial Stadium, I'm excited to check it out. I've never been to a game there, but how would you describe it? I mean, does it compare to other venues? I know you've coached around the Missouri Valley and even in the Big Sky a little bit, and uh, also obviously the Mountain West, but uh, what do you think of the venue? How does it stack, and what do you expect the atmosphere to be like on Saturday? I think it'll be a tremendous atmosphere. Uh, you know, it's Last year was, was partial fans for the two home games that were played there. Uh, so it's, it's been a long time for the majority of fans in Wyoming. You know, these early, early September games were always uh, um, tremendous crowds. I suspect that'll be the case. And, you know, um, uh, it, can be a, it can be a really energized environment. So that's, you know, I, our guys shouldn't have any misgivings that this isn't going to be electric. This isn't going to be a, an adverse situation where you've got a big crowd and that's going to be pulling, pulling for their team and, and certainly rooting against you. Uh, so, yeah, a passionate fan base uh, in Wyoming, and, and they, they come from all corners of the state. And I know these uh, afternoon games early in the fall, uh, they really attend. You know, uh, as the season goes along, they get some – Odd, odd times, some late games, some cold weather games, but I know these ones in September have been really well attended and, and uh, you know, just just great college football atmospheres that I think would stack up with uh, 
most everywhere. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. Well, happy now. This is very exciting for us and uh, something that I'm looking forward to for a couple weeks now because I've heard very much about this guy and I've been looking forward to meeting him and I will get a chance to meet him over the weekend, at least I hope, as I make my way down to Laramie, Wyoming for my debut at War Memorial Stadium. But it is a place that I've heard an extensive amount because one of my good friends and a great uh, help to us, both at Skyline Sports as well as uh, here at ESPN Radio, Bill Laverty, longtime sports information director at Wyoming, uh, excuse me, at Montana State. He's a Wyoming alum, and he learned a lot of what uh, he's got going on now from this guy who joins us now on the ESPN Roundtable. He's Kevin McKinney, most recently a senior athletic director uh, at Wyoming, senior associate AD for external affairs there uh, at Wyoming. Recently sort of retired, but he's still got some skin in the game as both uh, the color commentator for the football and men's basketball broadcast and uh, along time sports information director there in Laramie as well. Kevin, a pleasure having you on the show, my friend. Thank you so much. Look forward to meeting you. How you doing? I'm doing very well, Coulter, and I'm happy to be on with you. Let's talk about just first your history at Wyoming. Uh, When did you first uh, get hooked up with the University of Wyoming? Well, I started here in 1967 um, as a uh, freshman in college, and I worked in the sports information office my four years of undergraduate school and then when uh, i got done with that uh they hired me on full time so um i've been around a long time colder a long time well, at, Wyoming is a school that's steeped in a ton of history but i've also found it fascinating because a lot of times out west you have the land-grant university and the flagship university. And oftentimes those two schools are rivals. And, uh, you know, they, they often answer to the same board of regents, but there's usually this dichotomy that there's one or the other, not just in sports, but when it comes to the educational side of things, but Wyoming itself, uh, just the single one flagship and land-grant school in the University of Wyoming. So what do you think makes it unique? I mean, obviously the singular nature of it does, but uh, how does that just sort of influence the way that campus works uh, at the University of Wyoming in Laramie? Well, you know, number one, uh, being the only school, uh, the University of Wyoming receives legislative uh, financial help from the state legislature, which is uh, very welcome and and, uh, uh, a very big deal. If you had two schools uh, like Montana or everybody else, really, uh, you wouldn't probably have that situation. But being the only game in town, we we do well uh, financially uh, with help from the state, uh, and you know it's it's just terrific. I, Wyoming is not uh, a populated state. We all know that. Uh, I'm not sure that it could support two four-year institutions really. But uh, having the one uh, and the one brand that Bucking Horse and Rider, it's on the license plate. It's everywhere you go. Uh, it's it's uh, a very unique situation, and and um, it, it makes for a great passionate fan base because there's no divided loyalties. 
And it also makes for a great rivalry that trickles into the state right below you uh, with Colorado State. And I know that every time that it's Wyoming versus Colorado State, our, our mutual buddy Lambo is uh, all twisted up. It's, he takes it very, very, very seriously. But I uh, just tell people sort of about that rivalry because people here in the state of Montana listening to this show, they obviously know fiercely about the Cats and the Grizz, the Grizz and the Cats. People get mad just which order you say it in. They're so passionate about it. But to Colorado State, Wyoming, that's a pretty damn good rivalry too. So I uh, just tell the folks a little bit about that one. Well, it is. It goes way, way back, of course, because we are neighbors. And, you know, you've got the Colorado and, and Wyoming, so you've got two states involved uh, as well as a pair of institutions. And so, you know, it, it's, uh, it goes so far back that it is very fierce, much like you guys have in Montana, uh, except that they're in two different states. We play for uh, a really cool prize, the bronze boot, which was uh, uh, worn by a Vietnam uh, vet uh, during the Vietnam War. And uh, they bronzed it, and it's it's uh, I think one of the coolest prizes in uh, college football. But uh, man, if if you don't have that boot in, in uh, your display case, that's not a good year. And right now, Wyoming doesn't have it. CSU beat Wyoming last year uh, at Fort Collins, so uh, they have the boot. But before the game, they bring the boot out, they put it on a table. And uh, as soon as the game's over, whoever wins, they the whole team charges that table to grab uh, that prize and, and take it home with them. So it's a, it's a, a bitter rivalry in, in terms of having two states involved, I think. Uh, that's kind of the global part of it, and then the, the two institutions. But Wyoming doesn't like losing to Colorado, and I guarantee you Colorado doesn't like losing to Wyoming. So uh it's uh it's a very interesting deal and i would say at times it's gotten uh pretty passionate uh, we've had some fights on the field fights in the stands so uh but it's it's a great rivalry and 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 it is very healthy and and has, has uh, been awesome for many many years but uh you know the, when it's sheep week around here uh, it's a big week Kevin McKinney joining us here on Nuanas Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio, as well as statewide television, SWX Montana Television. It's part of our ESPN Roundtable, which is our long-form interview for the week each and every Wednesday here. It's proudly presented by Paradise Falls in Missoula. If you want a place to watch the Bobcat game, they do have an opportunity to stream games down there at Paradise Falls. I know they're going to have that one on uh, during Saturday afternoon uh, via GoYO.com or via the Wyoming Facebook page, whichever, whichever way they try to uh, to stream it. But they will have it on down there at Paradise Falls. They'll also have the Grizz game on Saturday evening as the Grizz take on the University of Washington. So head on down to Paradise Falls. They got 30 big screen TVs, 18 draft beers, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They're going to have a late happy hour going on on Saturday as well. So if you need somewhere to watch all the college football action this Saturday, including between the Montana State and Montana schools, head on down to Paradise Falls here in Missoula. Uh, Kevin, I want to ask you about some of the the sort of coaching lineage that uh, exists at Wyoming because uh, there's some crossover, there's some ties, there's some guys uh, that have... Montana roots or have have been in Montana before. I know Dennis Erickson, it seemed like just a blink of an eye when he was there, but he is a Montana State alum who was then the head coach at Wyoming in 1986 as he made his rise through the ranks uh, of the college football coaching world before then landing at Miami and, of course, famously leading the Hurricanes to a pair of national championships. Joe Tiller at Wyoming for a handful of years as well. Joe Tiller, also a Montana State alum who then made his way uh, to Purdue and uh, was Drew Brees' head coach, excuse me, in college. And, uh, of course, Joe Glenn who, after leading 
Wyoming, Montana to the 2001 National Championship. I then came to Wyoming and served as the Cowboys head coach from 2003 to 2008. And even Craig Bull, who's now there, I never had really any ties to Montana, but he has played the Montana schools a bunch during his time at North Dakota State and now at Wyoming too, because I know Wyoming took on Montana a couple years ago in a non-conference game. And now they got the Bobcats. Only the second time in the 21st century that it's been Wyoming and Montana State on the football field. But I just talked sort of about the coaching cradle that Wyoming's been because a lot of really great coaches have gone through Laramie. Yeah, they really have. And, uh, you know, those uh, those three that you mentioned, outstanding, no doubt about it. Uh, Wyoming had Pat Dye here for one year. Pat left here to go to Auburn, and, of course, he was highly successful at uh, Auburn. And then uh, Fred Akers, who was here for two years, went from Wyoming to Texas, and he was uh, the Texas Longhorn head coach and, uh, you know, outstanding uh, at uh, UT, Bob Devaney was uh, the Wyoming head coach for five years. He left Wyoming to go to Nebraska, and we all know what he did at Nebraska. He turned that into a national powerhouse. So you're right. Uh, there's been some uh, outstanding coaches here through the years. Coulter, who uh, they moved on to uh, even greater things. Uh, but Joe Tiller, uh, great guy, great coach um, for Wyoming, certainly did a great job at Purdue. And then Dennis Erickson was here uh, just the one year. But I can tell you, while he was here, he turned our fortunes around. And we, we could feel things were heading the right direction. Paul Roach, uh, who was a great NFL coach in his own right, took over uh, for Dennis and, and utilized a lot of the players that Erickson had brought uh, to Wyoming, and and uh, Paul was undefeated in the conference two consecutive years to start his reign here at, at Wyoming, and so uh, Erickson did a, uh, would like to have had him here longer, obviously, but uh, he kind of got the Cowboys back uh, on their feet and going in the right direction again, so um, a lot of good coaches have come through, that's for sure. Well, you mentioned uh, Bob Devaney, who I know that, that that was the coach at Wyoming when you first started going to games there way back in the day. But uh, also worth mentioning that because we had a debate last week on my show, some of the great college coaches in history, because we were talking about uh, Bobby Bowden and his passing earlier this month, or I guess uh, in August last month. It's now September here. I can't believe it's already here. But regardless, uh, Devaney had a great time at, at Wyoming, but also a guy that uh, deserves some credit because he hired one of those guys that was on our list of greatest coaches of all time uh, in Tom Osborne as well well so uh, all roads seem to lead at least through Laramie Wyoming when it comes to the the college coaching world Kevin McKinney a former senior associate athletic director at Wyoming now still the color commentator uh, for both the Cowboys football and men's basketball programs joining us here on Nuana is now as part of our ESPN roundtable and I think that there's also some fun ties when you talk about this current game we have coming up on Saturday Kevin I talked to Amandre Williams a great all big sky defensive end for Montana State and uh, his father Tyrone was a cowboy back in the day. Peyton Hanser is a guy who's a, a receiver for the Bobcats out of Billing Central, but his dad, uh, Pat Hanser, was a great player there as well. So tell us about some of these guys who are sort of now uh, playing for the Bobcats, but maybe their dads. Do you have some memories of either of those two guys? Oh, absolutely I do. Uh, both of them uh, were outstanding players uh, for Wyoming. Tyrone, of course, uh, outstanding athlete. He was defensive end and uh, a very impactful defensive end for the Cowboys, great pass rusher, great quickness and speed. And uh, I, I would imagine that that young uh, son of his has some of the, that great athleticism that Tyrone had. 
And then Scott Hanser was uh, just a premier linebacker for Wyoming. You know, he came out of Montana, and uh, Wyoming had some outstanding defenses during Scott's time here. Uh, and he was one of those sideline-to-sideline side linebackers who could run. Uh, he was a great teammate, very popular guy among the the uh, the squad, and, and uh, he was uh, he was just an outstanding player as well. It's ironic that both of them were on defense, but uh, both of them had a lot to do with Wyoming's defensive success while they were playing here. A couple other guys I want to ask you about just in terms of the history of Wyoming because I do think it's so fascinating, and I love this kind of stuff when it comes to the rural states. I love it when if you're talking Montana, Montana State, Idaho, Wyoming. I think that uh, some of these intermountain states, they just have rich history, and, and people around the state, they love the state that they're from, and they they just take so much pride in it. Uh, but one guy that we have to talk about that's right now, he is absolutely carrying the flag for the pokes when it comes to uh, his outstanding play in the NFL. I can't tell you how much I've fallen in love with this guy ever since he joined the Buffalo Bills. But Josh Allen is... um, quickly made himself into a household name and one of the great quarterbacks on the planet Earth. I mean, he he made a throw in a preseason game the other day that I could not believe. He threw that thing on a freaking rope. And uh, I thought it was funny. Actually, Brent Vegan, who we'll get to in a minute, New Montana State head coach, who spent a while as the OC there uh, in Laramie. He helped recruit and develop Josh Allen. But uh, somebody asked him uh, how his quarterback now, Matt McKay, compared to Josh Allen in terms of arm strength. And I, had to, I almost laughed out loud because I was thinking this poor guy doesn't realize that Josh Allen has one of the strongest arms on the planet, period. So uh, just tell us about how much pride people have in uh, in Wyoming right now, as uh, we, uh, as Josh Allen sort of takes uh, the the NFL by storm. Oh yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a tremendously prideful situation. Uh, you'll see T-shirts all over the state, uh, Wyoming for the Buffalo Bills, and uh, you know they they uh, loved Josh while he was here because not only was he a, a heck of a player on the field, but he he was great off the field and, and uh, had a great presence. Uh, around the state and uh, people loved him and and uh, so when he went to the NFL he, he knew that there'd be an entire state rooting for him and which has happened uh, every week you may like the Bears or the Chiefs or somebody but on every TV in Wyoming the Bills games are on and, and uh, everybody uh, roots for him and, and wants him to do well and obviously he's sensational I, I was on a couple of Bill's talk shows what, after they drafted him, and a lot of people there were really concerned about whether he was good enough to play in the NFL. And, you know, we were real smug about it here because we watched him every game, and we watched what he did and what he could do with that cannon. And, and uh, I, I just kind of sat back and smiled with some of the questions that they asked me about him. And, you know, uh, nobody recruited him out of high school, and, played at Little Wyoming and all that kind of stuff. And uh, all I could say was just wait because uh, we knew what a talented guy he was and, and what uh, he could develop into. You know, the, the pro guys, they get a hold of you and they change you a little bit here and there. Uh, he obviously uh, became a little more accurate with his throwing, didn't take as many chances as he did here, and, and uh, suddenly – you know, was a great NFL quarterback. And so we're very proud of him, uh, a heck of a guy, and uh, uh, we're all rooting for him because he carries that Wyoming banner wherever he goes. 
Kevin McKinney joining us, longtime administrator and color commentator for the Wyoming Cowboys football men's basketball teams. It's part of our ESPN Roundtable, our long-form interview for each week. Montana State plays at Wyoming in Laramie, 2 p.m. kickoff from War Memorial Stadium. And uh, in terms of this weekend's game, Kevin, let's start there. I'm very excited to go to War Memorial. It is uh, has the distinction of being the highest stadium above sea level anywhere in the United States of America, higher than Air Force in Colorado Springs, higher than the walk-up sky dome down there in Flagstaff, which is a a venue that a lot of teams in the Big Sky Conference are familiar with. So what can I expect as I make my way to Laramie to check out uh, this what seems like an awesome venue? Well, it it is a great place uh, because it's, you know, about the right size. It holds 29,000, so it's uh, something that uh, you don't have a lot of empty seats in. Uh, It it has a great pregame atmosphere with the tailgate, um, he has an indoor practice facility, and uh, a lot of the, um, the pregame is set up in there. Then everybody takes it outside to their parking places in the stadium lot. And it's very, very colorful. Uh, uh, you know, you're talking about uh, the best gathering place in Wyoming for Wyoming people. I think uh, on our football Saturdays, we have people who don't see each other all year long until they come to the games. And so people gather, it's, it's an event, so they, uh, they have a great time with it. And uh, it gets very loud in there because of the, uh, the, uh, the design of the stadium. Uh, at one point we were gonna dome it. And uh, so it's kind of, uh, it's got a, a curvature to it on either side. And that just helps, I think, the, uh, the acoustics of the place. It gets very, very loud, and of course, they love the brown and gold, and, and uh, this is a stripe-out weekend, so every se- other section will be brown, gold around the stadium. So they have a good time, and uh, they drive a long way to uh, see their team. Some of them uh, drive six or seven hours to get here. Uh, but they're all here on Saturday, and, uh, you know, it's just like Montana culture. They're as passionate as Montana people. In fact, I think Wyoming and Montana – People are very similar, but uh, they love the Cowboys and and, uh, they want to be here on Saturday. And it's just a, a really cool atmosphere. Well, as I haven't spent the last couple of weeks, at least a couple of days a week in Bozeman, I can tell you there's a lot more real cowboys in Wyoming than there is in southwest Montana right now. But that's here nor there. Kevin McKinney from the University of Wyoming joining us here as part of our ESPN Roundtable as we break down Montana State's action uh, against Wyoming on Saturday. And uh, Kevin, give us a little breakdown of this year's team. I know Craig Bull's teams, uh, they are often, if not always, known for their physical style of play. They're going to want to hit you in the mouth, run the ball right down your throat, and uh, play hard-nosed defense, and I know they have some pretty talented guys, pretty talented centerpieces uh, to execute both of those pieces of their identity. So just give us an overall scout on Wyoming as we uh, come into the 2021 season. Well, I think, you know, we'll start out with the fact that it's a very veteran team. This team uh, has, uh, like, uh, I think it's seven seniors on either side of the ball. Uh, The only person that didn't return was the punter, so everybody's back from a year ago. So it's very veteran. Uh, uh, the offensive line has started uh, combined 130 games. So that's the strength of the team. Um, the quarterback, Sean Chambers, was injured in the third play of the season last year against Nevada. So he's coming off an injury year. Uh, he's, he's the uh, team leader, obviously. 
another strength is the running back position. Uh, Zavin uh, Balladay is a senior and, and uh, a thousand yard rusher. He's uh, been all conference two years in a, a row. Trey Smith and Titus Swin are behind him. All of those guys have played a lot of football. Uh, the area that uh, I'm not totally sure about will be the receiving core because uh, we have a sophomore and uh, uh, I mean a senior and two sophomores there. So uh, we'll have to see how that goes. But uh, offense, extremely veteran, a uh, lot of uh, playing time by everybody. And it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, how the offense uh, operates. It's going to have some some different uh, uh, wrinkles because uh, it has a new uh, coordinator in Tim Polisek who came from Iowa, uh, and he, he has known Bull for many, many years. But, uh, you know, when Brent left, um, uh, Bull had to go out and get somebody, and he, he got uh, Tim. And there's a little more passing involved in the, in the offense now, I think, than in the past. So everybody anxious to see that. The defense uh, as well, a lot of veterans and, and a lot of – Good players. The defensive front is probably the most veteran, as well as the corners. But uh, it's a team that uh, had a rough time last year once Sean went down. Uh, never did get its legs under it and get going, and so had a rough year. I think they all feel like they have something to prove the, this season. Um, and, and so they're as anxious as the Cats are to get out there and see uh, how they do and what what's going to happen. But uh, it should be a good football team, Coulter, because uh, of uh, the experience that it has. What's the perception uh, in Laramie for Montana State? Are, are people uh, thinking this is just going to be a walkthrough, or is, are people respecting Montana State? Or I mean, I, there is a little bit of a regional rivalry here. I know that they've played quite a few times in basketball in recent years, and that those have always been fun games as well. So what's sort of the thought amongst the YO faithful as the Bobcats come to town? Well, um, there's a lot of respect for them. Uh, they have a tremendous amount of respect for Brent, uh, who was here so long with, with uh, Bull and, and the team. Um, you know, I, I think if you look at some history, and, and Wyoming fans uh, are very tuned into that kind of thing, Montana State's been here a couple times, you know, since the, the late 90s, and Wyoming had a big-time struggle in both games. And, and uh felt after the game that it was lucky to win the game. So they know how hard-nosed Montana State is. They know how, how, how tough they play and, and uh, how competitive they are. Um, you know, you got to be impressed with that quarterback. you got to be impressed with the linebacker. And uh, there's a lot of good players uh, on Montana State, and people realize that. I don't think there's anybody that thinks this is going to be an easy opener, Coulter. Everybody – who's seen Montana State play in the past, understand that uh, they'll hit you in the mouth and they'll play hard and, and you better be ready to play. That sounds exactly like what I think of Wyoming, too. Hit you in the mouth, play hard, and you better be ready to play. So I know we're not going to actually break down the betting line here because, you know, we don't do that kind of stuff around here. But I do think that sometimes looking at some of the numbers is indicative of the way that people think this game's going to go. This has an over-under of 34. So that's a pretty low uh, over-under for a college football game, but I think indicative of how uh, people think this game's going to go. So is is that sort of the the narrative here? I mean, do you think this is just going to be a a slugfest, a a brutal battle between two uh, sort of rough-and-tumble, run-heavy squads? Well, it, you know, it, it, I would say so, Colter, but uh, I, I'm not sure 
with uh, Wyoming's uh, new look, so to speak, with more of a passing game, uh, we're all anxious to see how much uh, the Cowboys utilize the pass. It is uh, Craig Bowl likes to run the football. He likes to be physical, likes to run the football, and I'm sure Brent has picked that up and, and has the same feeling. So uh, maybe two very similar philosophies. But uh, Wyoming, we're, we're kind of looking to see just how much uh, the passing game is, is involved in this one. But if you go by the recent history, these are low-scoring games, uh, I know the Cowboys scored 17 and 98 and 20 and 20, uh, 21 and 03, uh, and in both uh, instances had a battle on its hands uh, and a very physical game. So um, I don't think there's anybody who doesn't believe this will probably be physical. Um, it'll just be like usual, what kind of turnovers there are and uh, you know um, what field position is all about. So uh, it usually boils down to that, but. This will be a very difficult, tough opening game uh, for both teams. Well, Kevin, we appreciate you taking so much time today. Get you out of here on this. I get, I can guarantee you, you could already connect the dots on who told me to ask you about this. But our guy, Bill Lamberty, said uh, he, you got a great story about Frank Cush and uh, the Arizona State team that once upon a time walked into War Memorial. So we'll finish this ESPN roundtable with Kevin McKinney from the University of Wyoming uh, with a, a story from a request from a, a loyal listener of this show. <laughs> well... Uh, of course, Frank Cush had great teams at Arizona State. And, and uh, uh, one thing about Frank, this was when they were in the, in the Western Athletic Conference way back when. Uh, so this was late 60s. And, and one thing about uh, Arizona State, they always had tremendous speed. And, and uh, you know, they, they used that moniker all the time. They had uh, firepower and, and uh, you know, hot running and all that kind of thing. And Wyoming had a very good defense back in that day. And Arizona State came up here, and I think they were ranked like sixth in the country, and the uh, Cowboys beat them uh, 23-10. And uh, when we were uh, coming back down from the press box, and we, we always go by the opponent locker room, and uh, uh, there was a note on the board, and I guarantee you that Frank Cush wrote it. He says, toughness will beat speed anytime. And uh, – that's exactly how the Cowboys won that game. They just out-toughed Arizona State. and We know Arizona State was a great program in those days. That was a good win for Wyoming. But uh, somehow, Wyoming's toughness uh, overcame Arizona State's speed, and the folks won that game. Got to love it. He's Kevin McKinney, Senior Associate Athletic Director, color commentator, uh, a fountain of inf- information when it comes to the Wyoming Cowboys. Kevin, looks so very forward to meeting you and uh, out Laramie, checking out War Memorial Stadium on Saturday. But in the meantime, have a wonderful week, and thanks so much for spending so much time with us here on ESPN Radio. Oh, my pleasure, Coulter. Good talking with you, and we'll look forward to seeing you Saturday. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect. Connect to more. 
New Orleans Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide television, SWX Montana Television. You can also find us around the world on YouTube as well. So please rate, review, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, we got a big YouTube giveaway with a bunch of football tickets for you coming up. We're broadcasting to you live from Bozeman, Montana, here at Brick Breed and Fieldhouse. This is exciting. Somebody new to the show. Uh, he's been around Bozeman for a while, but he's been waiting a long time to play a football game. Matt McCase, uh, quarterback for Montana State Bobcats, former North Carolina State transfer. So, Matt, let's start there. You've been in Bozeman for a minute, but you've been, you're here for football. You haven't played in a football game in a long time, so you must be pretty excited to get rolling here this weekend. Oh, yeah, definitely really excited to just start fall camp. Uh, just been here a year and a half. Uh, COVID happened, canceled season happened. So, I mean, the whole team is just excited to go out there and put the pads on and play some football. On one hand, you probably have a chance to really acclimate to the offense, learn it from a mental perspective. You did have some spring practices. But also, they say you can't really truly learn it unless you're doing it in live games. So how do you balance that? It seems like you're probably going to be mentally ready, but do you expect there to be some rust early on as well? Um, I mean, I don't – I hope there's no rust, but I think just staying in the field house, just talking to the coaches and watching a lot of film and just preparing myself will just help me with my confidence and just be able to step out on the field. So I'm just definitely hoping to produce at a high level. Tell me about your, your connections to hear from previously, because I was close with Daenerys McGee. I first moved to Bozeman when he uh, was the quarterback here at Montana State, and we did a lot of work together. And uh, I know he was at North Carolina State for at least a minute when you were there. So just talk about that connection and sort of how you first found out about Montana State, because this is a long way from home for you. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, as you say, Coach McGee, he was at NC State. He was a GA uh, while I was getting recruited there, um, and then he left. And then when I was transferring, he hit me up and told me about Montana State. And honestly, I told him, like, I don't even know where Montana is. Like, I'm not sure if I want to do it. And then I think, like, two days later, I just I hit him up. I was like, man, I've been praying about it. I was like, you know, I'll just take a little official visit out there and see what it's about. Came out here, and I fell in love with it. So, I mean, that was my connection, and I think it's a good decision that I made. What have you thought of Bozeman so far? Was it weird at first when he moved out here since it is so far from home? Oh, yeah, it was definitely weird. Uh, my first time being on a flight by myself. Um, I think I just truly love the place. It's, people are a lot nicer here than where I'm from, and, and that was just something really different. Uh, the weather is definitely different. I mean, it's smoky right now, but in the winter, it's really cold. I've never been that cold before, especially driving in it with the ice and stuff. I mean, it was definitely something I had to adjust to, but, I mean, I really enjoyed this place a lot. When he first got here, Coach McGee was still here. Uh, Coach Miller was still here. Coach Cho was still here. So you got a lot of new guys to learn from. So the, the coaching transition, what's it been like for you? And what did you initially think? Because it was probably at least a little hard at first. I mean, it was definitely a little tough. Um, I mean, ever since I've been in college, I've been going through coaches. So, I mean, it was nothing new to me. Just building different connections, relationships with coaches and learning new offenses is something I have fun with, honestly. Just, I think. I mean, once you do it one time, you're like, okay, it'll probably happen again with this college football business. So I think it's definitely been a good adjustment just with these new coaches and this new staff. I think they're going in a good direction. Matt McKay joining us here on Nuanas Now. He's the quarterback for Montana State. The Montana State Media Day today here in Bozeman. They get fall camp kicked off here uh, this weekend and uh, the opener September 4th at the University of Wyoming. Uh, Matt coming out of spring you were top of the depth chart I know that that you're going to be taking the one reps right away in fall camp but going to get pushed by several guys in your group so how are you approaching this competition both mentally and physically uh, just taking it one day at a time um, just playing my best football and hoping the other guys play their best football so we can all get better I think if we both push each other uh, everybody pushes each other I mean that's going to be the best for the team honestly so I mean just 
taking it one day at a time, just keeping my peace. I mean, fall camp, there's always going to be adversity, so just how do I respond to it when it happens? Good situation to step into considering the fact that you have multiple All-American caliber offensive linemen in front of you and an All-American caliber running back behind you. So what do you think of just sort of the, the run game and how much that might help you, uh, especially early on here this season? Uh, I mean, I definitely think it's a really talented team all around, defense, special teams, offense. Um, a lot of guys can do a lot of different things. Um, a lot of depth, too, as well, which I think uh, as well helps us. So, I mean, I think feel like we got all the pieces to, to do big things this year. There's about five All-American caliber running backs in this league. I think Isaiah Fonse is the best one. How excited are you to watch him, though, against live competition that aren't your teammates? Oh, I'm definitely excited about it. We talked about it uh, right when summer ended, how excited we are to watch you both of each other, uh, both of each other play and just get out there and just hit people. So, I mean, I'm definitely excited to see him play for sure. Give me the preview of Matt McKay. What's your skill set? Like, what's, what's your, your your ideal plays if you're marching down the field? Are you? I know you're a good zone read guy. So how do you sort of build your game off of that? Um, just understanding the passing game and the running game. Just understanding what the coaches want to do as an offense. Um, and I feel like I can pass the ball, and if I need to use my legs, I can. So... Just understanding what coaches want us to do and just trying to execute at a high level. We've heard from Coach House right on this show a couple times. Entertaining guy. I love having him on the radio. Uh, but just tell us about his style because it seems like young guy, a lot of energy, but he also looks like he wants to have a lot of fun. Yeah, you hit it right on the head. Just a lot of energy. Uh, wants to have a lot of fun. Uh, has a lot of knowledge in his head. Uh, he coaches us really hard because he wants the best out of us. Expectations for yourself, the offense, and Montana State this year? I think as a team, we just we want to win. Our goal is to win every game and win a national championship. So each day we're going to do everything we can do to accomplish that. Matt McKay, Montana State quarterback here on Nuanas Now. Matt, true pleasure. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Appreciate it. Do you want your sports news, commentary, and features from a corporate publication? Would you like to hear it from local experts who have lived in your community their entire lives? At Skyline Sports, Coulter and Brooks Nuanas bring more than two decades of experience to give you old-school journalism with a new-age presentation at SkylineSportsMT.com. The Nuanas brothers provide knowledge from a family who lives Big Sky Conference athletics every day. For $8 a month or 90 bucks a year, get access to comprehensive college grizz and bobcat coverage at SkylineSportsMT.com. Skyline Sports, every Every day, every season. Uh, I'm working on a story about all the good running backs in this league. So I think there's like four or five guys that are like all-American caliber. So when you think about where you fit into the league, does that challenge you? Does that motivate you? Are you trying to be competitive and, and be the best back in this league? Yeah, um, it definitely motivates me <coughs> to go out every game and perform. And also like when we're playing against that opposing team to outperform the running back that playing against that Saturday. How excited are you for this upcoming season? I'm so excited. It's been way too long. Way too long. Football. So that first game against Wyoming, I feel like all of us would be pretty excited. We've seen it in the Olympics right now in track and field, right? Everybody's just going off because they've been waiting inside for a year and a half. So do you feel like there'll be that sort of same pent-up energy when you first hit the field? Yeah, definitely. Tell me about the offensive line. I know that Connor Woods' departure uh, – Hurts you a little bit, but it seems like there's some guys that are stepping up. So what do you think of just that group in general, led by some veterans, but also some young guys that could step up? There's um, – it's a pretty – I would say it's an older group by far, but we have uh, TJ Sessions who stepped up, and he's becoming a great offensive lineman, and then also Cole Sane who's been showing a lot in the spring. What do you hope the identity of the offense is, and how is that different from what it has been your first couple of years here at Montana State? 
I hope that the identity is still a run-first mentality, but if they load the box, we can throw the ball. If they want to play the coverage, then we'll be running the ball. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications connect to more. It's like an avalanche or a tidal wave or something. We hadn't done Big Sky Breakdown since the middle of April when it comes to actually analyzing football games because we didn't have any. And that's been uh, almost two years since we've had Big Sky Breakdowns analyzing real, of consequence football games. But this is the second part of a conversation with Brooks Zuanas. Big Sky Breakdown proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications. Thanks to Blackfoot for helping out with all of our podcasting endeavors go check out catching up with the cats with mike person really awesome interview great talking to mike one of my favorite guys i've ever covered at montana state and a guy that's been exceptionally good to us as well he's uh always been engaged with what we're doing and uh, he's always been loyally subscribed to skyline sports so appreciate mike for doing it if you aren't subscribed to skyline sports go get yourself a subscription it's only eight bucks a month or ninety dollars a year we'll give you the best in Montana State, Montana, and Big Sky Conference coverage every day and every season. The uh, first part of this podcast, we were breaking down the Bobcat offense. Now we're going to give you just a couple minutes about the Bobcat defense. We're actually doing this from the car as I drive to the airport, catching a bird to Denver before we drive up to Laramie. Uh, Very excited to see War Memorial Stadium and check out Laradice. And uh, I've always had sort of an affinity for Wyoming as a state, but also just the Wyoming Cowboys in general. It's funny, I was teasing Kevin McKinney, Associate Athletic Director from Wyoming, who you heard on this show earlier, about how uh, Montana and Wyoming are a little bit similar, except for that in reality, there is uh, a lot more real Cowboys in Wyoming than there is one around Bozeman or Missoula, I'll tell you that. So excited to see everything that Laramie has to offer. Uh, but we broke down the Bobcat offense, now we'll break down the Bobcat defense. And uh, this is a unit that has, I think, at least a cu- at least a handful of some of the best individual talents uh, in the Big Sky Conference and, and possibly in the FCS, and certainly in the FCS in a couple uh, positions. And uh, then they have a lot of question marks, but they have a lot of options to fill those question marks. So we'll start with the defensive front. The defensive line at Montana State has been a strength. Pretty much for the duration of the 12 seasons I've covered the Cats, whether it was Dan Ogden and Dane Fletcher uh, in the early 2010s, or Zach Minter, Caleb Schreibeis, Brad Daly uh, in the mid-2010s, or uh, the first iteration of the Jeff Choate defensive lines with Tyrone Fanono and Tucker Yates and Zach Wright, or this most recent one with Bryce Sterk and Derek Marks. And uh, that's a lot of guys to replace. That's a lot of really good players that I just named. But the Cats do have... A standout in Amandre Williams, who is playing a different position, but I think he's acclimating to it well. And they also have another guy who made the sacrifice, made the jump pretty much right away when Brent Vegan was hired in Daniel Hardy. He put on a lot of weight. He's up to about 240, 245, so he's playing that other end spot. And then, of course, they return the anchor. The guy who I thought was probably the biggest oversight when it came to the uh, all-big sky preseason voting, Chase Benson. I think Benson is, besides Jared Scheiss at Weaver State, the best interior defensive lineman in the conference. 
I think that he's primed for a big year, and he'll definitely be the linchpin for Montana State's defensive front. But it's that other defensive tackle spot that's probably the biggest question mark. They have a lot of options there. Tua Areta, who's about a 385-pound young guy who could fit in there. Blake Schmidt, who's really talented, but is he ready? Because he hasn't really played much at the collegiate level. I guess he hasn't really played at all at the collegiate level. He's a redshirt freshman who's then been waiting his turn. So, uh, Brooks, just overall, before we get into the individual positions, where are we at with the uh, Bobcat defensive line? Yeah, it should be the strength of that defense. You know, you look at the linebacker crew who's going to be a little bit in flux with some new guys, uh, especially Trey Anderson moving over to middle linebacker, Callahan O'Reilly switching positions. Um, so, and then a bunch of new guys in the, in the defensive secondary. So you, you got to imagine that defensively, uh, the, the interior line especially should be a strength, as you mentioned. What's going on there, brother man? Give me a shot. Oops. Once you figure out uh, the other defensive tackle spot, which right, right now on the two deep is Kyle Reg. Um, who has played sparingly in his time at Montana State. Um, another young guy, you know, I feel like Kyle Reg has been here for three, four, maybe even five years. He's probably a redshirt freshman. I'd have to look at the roster. He's actually a junior, uh, but you're right. I mean, he's been here for a long time. I mean, he's he's old enough that he comes from Sheldon High School in Eugene, Oregon, which has produced a lot of good players for both the Cats and the Grizz. But he came here because of his connection uh, with the Herbert brothers. So, and Mitch Herbert hasn't been a Bobcat for quite some time, so that shows you Rig has been around for a while. Yeah, but he had a broken – He, I think he broke um, some part of his hand. It looked like he had a cast on his pinky and index finger – or his ring finger. So, you know, kind of one of those maybe not classic boxer break, but, you know, an injury that you can get through. Um, so, yeah, Kyle Ragg is lined up there with with Blake Schmidt behind him. Be interesting to see. And then you mentioned Amandre Williams, who will be the star of Montana State overall. You know, I mean, especially you see Isaiah Infante on the, on the offensive side with Lewis Kidd and Matt McKay under center as a new position. I think Amandre Williams will kind of be the, the headliner for this team in general, let alone the, the defensive side of the football. Amandre Williams is a fascinating character, too, because when he came to Montana State, he has a very interesting personality. He is... Um, He's well-spoken, but soft-spoken, but but also very smooth, and uh, he's very direct in the way that he speaks. And uh, I think that coming from the guys that were ahead of him, like Zach Wright, I mean, <laughs> Zach Wright's yelling and screaming all the time. I mean, he's, he, this is the famous picture that Brooks took after the Cat Grizz game in 2018 with Zach Wright headbutted somebody without his helmet on. He's got blood running down his face. I mean, he just looks like a, an absolute savage. And, you know, Tucker Gates, and, and in your face, you know, Eastern Montana, surly type of guy. And so I think when uh, a lot of times your best players are going to gravitate towards being your best leaders too, but it takes an adjustment in, in kind of acclimating to that leadership role. But uh, I've talked to Amandre quite a bit this last couple months because he's kind of been one of the spokesmen for the team. He came in the Big Sky kickoff. Uh, I've been down around the field house and he's come over and said, what's up? And uh, I think he's really coming to his own as a leader, and I also think, though, that he has a acute understanding that this is the last ride. I also talked to Daniel Hardy. We'll have a feature on Daniel Hardy next week leading into Montana State's first home game uh, for the Gold Rush. And Hardy has an awesome story, a guy that uh, his dad passed away in high school. He was mostly a basketball guy. He joined the football team to sort of ease a broken heart, ended up liking it, and uh, then ended up sort of uh, having this acceleration through the game even though he's very young to the game uh, but back to Amandre Williams I just I think that he is primed for a big year but also this is going to be a pretty uh, interesting and, and special opener for him as well because his father Tyrone Williams was an all-time great player at the University of Wyoming so Amandre gets to set, sort of go back to uh, his dad's old stomach ground but just from a, a um, 
performance standpoint, Brooks, what, what do you think of just him moving from buck to defensive end? Because he w- seemed like a pretty perfect fit for that buck end in Choate's defense. Yeah, he really was, and it was a position that he had played um, a very similar style at Washington, which is a stand-up outside linebacker who kind of is on the edge. So it's a hybrid defensive end linebacker, not a ton of coverage uh, responsibilities, a lot more pass rush responsibilities. I've mentioned earlier in the year, um, we'll see as far as putting his hand in the dirt and playing defensive end, it really is It's more important on, a, on an even man front to see what those interior defensive linemen are going to play like as far as their alignment and their responsibilities because you can kind of crowd up one side um, and have the uh, have a strong you know the the wide side be a little bit more of the the Daniel Hardy type of guy so if if Amandre ends up playing strong end where you're a little bit more crowded on a heavy side I don't know what that means for his production I know what it means as far as his ability to play a role in a defense like that which I think is a very high level ability but overall for production wise it might you know, lessen some of the pass rushing abilities, which is interesting because Montana State, we talk about being so smothering on defense, especially last season. Not huge sack numbers. You know, they just kind of just take the air out of the entire stadium. Well, it's funny because they kind of split it up, right? I mean, they did have huge sack numbers as a team. 45 sacks is a lot of sacks, but two caveats. One, it came in a 15-game run because you go to the semifinals of the playoffs, but also they were sort of spreading it around. I mean, Bryce Sturk had 15 sacks, so that, you know, that, that's a pretty good number, but but no, you're right. I mean, it, it was more just like a, a by committee. But I think that's kind of the future of college football now, too. Right. Yeah. And it's uh, when you get a guy like Bryce Sturk, uh, that's a unique ability there. But you know, Madre, like you see him and you watch him play, and you see him play a game or two, you're like, wow, this guy is just getting get after the quarterback. I mean, I, I don't know the number off the top of my head. He doesn't have an overwhelming number of sacks. He had, he, had, he had five sacks last year. He had 16 tackles for loss, though. So uh, I mean, good numbers. But you know, you're totally right. Yeah. So that, I, I think pass rushing wise, when you play the strong end, especially with your hand in the dirt, a little bit of a different role for him. You know, a tremendous player. You know, an elite player, elite talent, especially at the FCS level. I don't see that changing. Daniel Hardy, I think, I think that this first game is not going to be indicative of his ability to play at the end. Because Wyoming averages 308 pounds on their offensive line. I mean, their their right tackle is not just an all-Mountain West guy. He's an all-American caliber guy, probably an NFL guy. So uh, that's going to be pretty tough for, for Daniel Hardy. Plus, Wyoming's just going to try to run the ball with Xavier uh, Valade just right down your throat. But I think that Hardy... Could be, could be. If he puts it together, one of the pleasant surprises uh, of the entire season. Because I think that if you simplify it for him and just let him be a whirling dervish out there on the end, just let him go. He's so athletic. I think people are going to have a hard time blocking him. You'll, I, I don't know if you'll agree or disagree with this, Brooks, but my, my comp for Daniel Hardy is Severn Campbell, who played for Montana for a while. What do you think of that one? Yeah, I like it. He's not he's not quite as long. You know, Sev Campbell is a, is a 6'5 kind of guy, yeah. uh, really long levers, a little bit, you know, thin on the bottom end, like Daniel Hardy. I, I like the comp. Um, you know, Sev is also a guy that was playing a little bit more spot pass rush stuff, a little bit more of a third down kind of guy, where I do think Daniel Hardy can play every down. Uh, like you mentioned, Daniel Hardy's a very athletic kid. You know, like you mentioned, also a little bit slight, you know, not the biggest guy. He has got up to about 230 pounds, maybe 235. I haven't seen that on the roster yet. But those kind of guys, uh, when they do get going, they're really hard to stop, especially if you get a hot hand against a team that is struggling on that edge. Uh, look out. And then Chase Benson, who's now wearing number 41, which is becoming the traditional number at Montana State. They're going to pass it on to a Montana guy uh, each and every year. And uh, he comes in after Brad Daly, Grant Cullen. So a couple of really good guys. who won, I guess, Braden Conkle last year. So a couple of good, really good guys that wore it. Benson, 
Benson is his his statistical production is so uh, such an anomaly for what the position he was playing in the old defense. I mean, he had 65 tackles. That's a stupid number for a nose. And uh, I mean, Tyle Cotta said it. He said, you know, I know Chase Benson's going to get the tackle when when he's right there in the middle of the defense. So I just think that this guy coming out of Helena, Montana, I think he has developed and blossomed into everything they ever wanted him to be. He was a third-team All-Big Sky guy in 2019, but I just think he's better than that. And I don't really think it matters if he's playing a true nose like he was in the old scheme or a D-tackle in this one. I just think that Chase Benson has every ingredient that you want. He's got the work ethic, the want to, the toughness, the mentality, the ability, all of the above. And uh, I know I'm really probably higher on this guy than maybe anybody that talks about this stuff or analyzes this stuff. But I just think that Chase Benson is the man. I just think he's so, so good. I, I always, always find myself watching him because he's just so powerful and strong. And he just makes so many plays for guys playing in a spot that usually don't make that many plays. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, he's like you say, he's one of the best at the position. Um, and he's one of the best players on Montana State who's just flush with talent. So you, know, you can't really say enough about a guy that gets after it at that position. Um, it's a tone setter, you know, natural leader, not necessarily the most outspoken guy, but I think he'll definitely be one of the best players on Montana State, uh, which is, which is a, you know, a pretty good knob. Big Sky Breakdown presented proudly by Blackfoot Communications. Thanks to Blackfoot for all their support of all of our podcasting endeavors. Linebackers. You got a lot of talent there at the linebacker spot. They're only going to have two of them, quote-unquote, technically on the field, but I do think they'll play linebacker body types kind of uh, in the uh, at the nickel spot from time to time as well. You know, Taden Gilman's out there listed uh, on the two deep at the nickel spot. But uh, it starts and ends with Troy Anderson. I know that we've been analyzing this exhaustively if, as far as him playing in the middle and him playing in the box. And... Uh, I've come around. I thought it was a bad idea at first, but now that I've been watching Wyoming's defense and watching North Dakota State's old defenses, and then Brooks got a chance to see it at practice, it's not your traditional Mike in any sort of traditional scheme. He's way more of a roamer or a, like a rover safety type, but not really. He's just kind of in the middle of the field, and, and he's just going to be able to run to the ball. So I think that's what you need from Troy. You need him to be able to run in space. Then the other one, Callahan O'Reilly, who I actually think is – one of the most underrated guys on this team. He's pound for pound one of the strongest guys on the team. He looks really good. He wants it. And uh, he's another one of those just workman-like guys. So uh, what do you think of Montana State's linebacker, specifically Troy Anderson? Yeah, it's interesting, man. It's it's going to take a little bit to develop at that position, but it is a mobile position as far as uh, you mentioned. It's not necessarily a, a mic that's standing with flanked by two outside linebackers. Um, so he does move around a lot. He can disguise and run some really interesting coverage, especially underneath. You like to, you like to see him just kind of go end to end and, and covering the entire field. I mean, it's a very unique position. I would like to think of a comp, but in, you know, it's easiest to think of NFL comps as far as things that are stable, players that are more visible, and there really isn't one. You know, there's really no one that's running a 4-2-5 um, like Montana State is going to implement. Um, so, yeah, Troy Anderson is a very interesting. You know, as you mentioned, Callahan O'Reilly coming back as a, as a team's leading tackler. He's, he's been a dominant player. You know, a guy that I have just been so impressed with. Um, I think not only me, but everyone was, you know, wondering what is a what does a converted quarterback look like playing inside linebacker, starting at inside linebacker for one of the better defenses in the, in the conference, and he was all of one of the best defensive players in the league. I'm very impressed with with his want to and, and his physicality. Uh, he's developed a whole ton, and then and on the edge of that nickel spot, uh, which will be a little bit more in space. You mentioned Taden Gilman, who's a guy that you know has come along a lot. You know, a guy that they've 
put a lot into develop. Uh, they've given him every single chance in the world, uh, and still a young guy didn't have to play too early. So I like you know what Tatum Gilliman has brought to the table, especially in space. There, um, you can play some 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 Tio Kata, some safety body types at that nickel spot as well. But in the box on early downs, you know Tatum Gilliman is going to get a shot um, early and often. So we'll see if he can take that next step and be you know an, an every down style player. And then we get to the secondary, which I think is. Uh... To me, the most fascinating, not only because of the question marks, but also because of the analysis that Brett Vegan has given throughout fall camp. He has consistently said that the secondary is absolutely Montana State's most talented group on either side of the ball, even if they are the the least experienced. This is fascinating to me because, one, if that's true, that's big time for the Bobcats. Two, though, I'm just so interested to see if his analysis is correct. This is the number one thing I think about when I think of this coaching staff. I fully believe that they're going to know how to run the ball with authority. Brett Vegan comes from North Dakota State and Wyoming. That's all they ever did. That's all Montana State's done for the last handful of years as well. So that part's going to be just fine. Does Brett Vegan know how to coach quarterbacks? Clearly. You know, he Brock Jensen, Easton Stick, Carson Wentz, Josh Allen, clearly. Um, defensively, though, uh, the number one biggest difference between the Big Sky Conference and the Missouri Valley is the big the Missouri Valley has better talent when it comes to all of those power positions and nowhere close to the talent when it comes to the perimeter. So is this a Missouri Valley evaluation of the secondary? Or is Montana State secondary good enough to shut down Western Illinois' receivers, or are they good enough to shut down Montana and Eastern Washington and Sac State's receivers? That's a huge difference because the best receivers in the country play in the Big Sky Conference. If it's true then Montana State is in – they're sitting pretty. This is going to be a good uh, uh, spot for them, but I'm just so interested to see. I do think their safeties are really good. Uh, Ty Okada is versatile. He can play both safety spots and nickel. He could even play corner if he wanted him to. Trey Webb looks the part all day, the transfer from San Jose State, and uh, he had the the uh, resume uh, to do it when he was at San Jose State as an All-Mountain West guy. And Jeffrey Manning comes highly advertised. And I've, I've been around the two Oregon State transfers at Montana – and everybody I've talked to say that Manning's the best of the three of the Oregon State DBs that matriculated their way to the state of Montana. So um, those guys, I think, are set. I'm just so interested to see what's up with the corners because Tyrell Thomas is out for this Wyoming game. James Campbell's a converted wide receiver who's going to be playing D1 corner for the first time. Then you have a bunch of young guys who are all talented but have never played in games, whether it's Eric Zambrano, who has played in a few games, but uh, Miles Jackson, uh, Simeon Woodard, there's a whole bunch of guys that are pretty unproven. So what do you think of just uh, this position group? Well, you know, when I hear Coach Vegan say that, it sounds a little bit like hedging the bet, you know. Uh, you, you kind of put out the positive vibes for a group that is so unproven, and, and you hope that, uh, you know, that gives a little confidence, especially to the style of position that defensive back is. Uh, but you mentioned the corners are just so unproven. You know, I'd say James Washington is, um, is probably – James Campbell. You always call him James Washington. So funny. James Washington every single time. <laughs> there was once a time uh, another receiver was named that. Uh, and well, then there was Damian Washington as well. And all sorts of guys. Yep. His name is James Campbell. He's been at Montana State. This is his 17th season. <laughs> uh, he, he was the starting quarterback in 2008. Uh, now, now he's playing defensive back. Uh, he's probably the most. Uh, he's probably the biggest question mark in the whole team to me. You know, you look at a guy like Matt McKay. You can look at film. You, know, you can watch him at North uh, North Carolina State. You can look at all sorts of different guys in their previous stops. As you mentioned, Trey Webb, Jeffrey Manning. Well, James Campbell's never played corner in his life, and uh, you know they've had high praises for him. So probably one of the most unknowns on the team. But I'm very interested to be able to watch. As you mentioned, the two safeties are gosh dang impressive. You know, 
how do you go from Braden Conkle and Jack Way Allen? How do you replace that? Well, you go get Trey Webb and, and Jeffrey Manning. I mean, literally next-level style players. They look the, the part. Uh, Jeffrey Manning is one of the most sure tacklers I have seen in the last five or six years, period. I watch tackling drills five or six different times, full to the ground, position group versus position group, uh, safeties versus tight ends, safeties versus receivers, safeties versus running backs. Jeffrey Manning is one of the most sure tacklers I have seen, period, at this level. Um, he is aggressive. Uh, you know, They definitely are going to lean on him for leadership. So overall, I think I think it could be a talented group. Um, when you have guys like Lewis Kidd and, and Zach Red and Taylor Tuyasa Sopo on the offensive line, it's hard to call it the most talented group. Um, as of now, but as I mentioned, you know, I think you're probably hedging your bet with some young guys. Eric Zambrano is a guy that they've been wanting to get into action. He's missed a lot of fall camp time with injury. Looks like he'll be a starter this year. Um, again, another guy that's been around, but still somehow a freshman. So the rules have changed, ladies and gentlemen. Times have changed, and we are in a vortex of time. <laughs> I have no idea what class anybody is either. Uh, one quick story before we get out, because i got to go catch a play. But I, I saw Jeffrey Manning and Trey Webb walking down the hall in Brick Breed and Fieldhouse. First time I'd seen him in street clothes. I've never met these guys, so I don't know them. But I instantly asked uh, Sports Information Director Bill Lamberty, who are those guys? He's like, oh, those are our safeties. I was like, whoa, <laughs> those guys look pretty good. So they definitely look the part. Uh, more to be continued. We'll have full coverage from Wyoming. Uh, I'm going to Laramie. We'll also have full coverage from Seattle. Andrew Houghton making the drive out there uh, to watch the Huskies take on the Grizzlies. So check out SkylineSportsMT.com for all your Big Sky Conference coverage, both Montana, Montana State, and the rest of the league. Skyline Sports every day, every season.